Hello! We are now recording. I am Jonathan Dixon. I'm here with Grandma Arta Jean Christensen. Say hello, Grandma. Hello, Grandma. <laughs> We're here on the My Family Her Story podcast, and it is May 26th, 2021. Our goal here is to preserve in podcast form stories and memories for future generations and to have a good time. And you've probably already noticed it sounds a little different. We are now fully vaccinated, Grandma and myself, and so I have brought the setup in person. And this interview is now face-to-face and not screen-to-screen. And uh, today, we will be talking about uh, the beginning. The beginning of building the house that I am currently sitting in. The beginning of building Construction Realty, the company that Grandpa worked at (laughs) for the rest of his life. Uh, the, the beginnings of the family with, with so many little kids running around and having mishaps and fun things and, uh, the early sixties and how that was experienced by grandma Arta Jean Christensen. Uh, so grandma, before we started recording, you said something to me that really got me interested. You, you asked me, you said, have we talked about the awful year? And I, I said, no, but I really want to. (laughs) So, Grandma, tell me a little bit more about what you call the awful year. Well, I want to I want to back up a little bit and ta- and say that Don had reestablished his business in in Salt Lake uh, after we left after we left Provo. When we were in Provo, we had those three little girls, and when we moved to Salt Lake. He built us a duplex that we lived in, and also, um, after a bit, he uh, built a a building that became his office and is still in use as the office and foundation of Construction Realty, which has been in use from then till now. But when we when we were in Provo, he was in partnership with his brother Garn, and they came to Salt Lake and continued that partnership for a period of time. They built uh, they built some subdivisions with duplexes on them, on it, and one uh, they. One in actually in the neighborhood of where I live today, that was called Don Jean's Subdivision, and and we could we could drive down that street today that Don built and and uh, built the houses the duplexes on both sides of that of that street. And do, do you remember the street uh, name address? I don't exactly. It's approximately. Uh, 40th South and between 13th and 14th East. Uh, I don't remember if it's exactly 40th South, but those houses, those buildings are still there and and Don built all of those. After a while, um, Don wanted to build a 
an office where he where he could uh, uh, where he could have a headquarters and and uh, and he also wanted to keep start keeping some of the duplexes that they were building rather than selling them all. Don thought it would be a good idea to keep some of the duplexes and have have it to be an be income property. Don said to me one time, you know, it just seems to me like it would be a good idea if we could have income coming in without me hammering nails. He said, could we have income coming in in some fashion when I was when I was at home or on vacation or anything else and we still would be having income and uh, I that sounded good to me but uh, after a bit Garn decided that he did not want to deal with with tenants with renters who for whom the landlord is responsible and he decided that that he would like to divide and and so uh, they worked out a, a an equitable program where they split up the assets that of the business as it had been up till that point and uh, and each began to do their own thing. Garn wanted to be building houses and sell them, and Don wanted to concentrate on rental property and keep some of them so that he had income coming in from the tenants in between when he was out there building, actually building the house, the buildings. That seems to be a recurring theme that has uh, come up a few times is grandpa really wanted to make sure that if he wasn't working or couldn't work, money was still coming in. So he and his family would still be supported. That, that was, uh, and I thought that was an inspired idea that uh, it sounded, it really sounded good to me. And uh, so anyway, that was, that was the situation at that time. So Don built his uh, his office at 345 East 33rd South in in uh, South Salt Lake and that that building is still there and is still being used as his as his office even even after his passing. So that uh, he he wanted that, and then as time went on, he thought of some other ways that he could have income coming in, and he thought he maybe it would be a good idea to have uh, have real estate salesmen to uh, work for him, and for a while he he just hired men who wanted to be real estate salesmen to work for Construction Realty. And uh, this this worked out pretty well, and and then after a while, he took on some partners, and and they were able to 
to have a full-fledged real estate company going on as well as building the the duplexes and and uh, apartment houses that he had been doing and so he also had uh, a secretary that uh, that worked in the in the office uh, keep helping to keep the books and uh, deal with the renters the tenants and deal with the whatever needed to be done so he was moving from a one-man business into a full-fledged business and this this uh, fit his personality very well and his desires and and it seemed to be it seemed to be working pretty well and at then, what point did you start calling it construction realty well that actually happened before we be, that actually happened before we had the building built there and before it, while while he and garn were still partners um their original name that they thought of they called their business construction realty by christiansen brothers and the seems the, uh seems apt <laughs> <laughs> and that that was the that was the first name that they had for their bi- for their business and then and then uh after he and after he and garn uh, each went their way why he took the he just took off the word brothers and for a while he called his business construction realty by christiansen and uh, uh as time i don't remember when they when he changed from that but but somewhere along the line he just dropped his name off of off of that and just put to called started calling it construction realty and just to mention somewhere along the line he decided to incorporate that uh, that business and uh so it is construction realty incorporated uh is the real real name and title of his business clear till this day so Uh, I meant I mentioned that that we had what I called an awful year before we before before we got into that particular situation. Um, he had he had a whole a whole room full of of salesmen working for him in the real estate aspect and they worked they sold uh properties that other people uh built or listed in addition to the to the uh properties that don himself built with his construction side of the company so all those salesmen were uh, had, were housed at the at the office there on 33rd south and 
and uh, just one small, I almost call it a joke, a little situation that took place. Uh, a person came, a person came into the office one day to, with the idea of doing business, and he looked around, and there were probably sixteen uh, desks with, with, uh, with salesmen sitting at each desk, and each one had their their name plate on their desk, saying saying their last name. And he looked around and he said, you got one here named Rob, you got one here named Swindle, and you got one here named Steel. He says, what kind of a place is this? <laughs> These are my salesmen, Rob, Swindle, and Steel. <laughs> anyway, there were a lot of others besides those, but that but that little story sticks in my mind. But those three, those three get remembered. <laughs> Rob, Swindle, and Steel. So, so, um, he also had a, he also had a full crew of, of, uh, construction workers that, uh, that, were building, building his buildings, and uh, had a foreman that was in charge of them. And Don basically would deal with the foreman, and the foreman would deal with the workers, which is the way. That's just a normal, a normal uh, way to to do business in, and. And he had a whole a whole series of of buildings under construction, and he was he was building duplexes and selling them. And uh, and he had I can't remember I think at around this time he also had been building some. Uh, one family homes and selling those as well but uh, uh, business was going along things were humming along with all those salesmen and with all those workmen coming and going and a lot a lot was happening and uh, we had added we had added little martin to the family he was born in January of 1960, and uh, so now we had three little girls and a little boy, and uh, and that's Jean, Jolene, and Martin and Jean, Jolene, and Mary, and Mary, and then Martin was the baby. Jean, Jolene, Martin, and Mary. So we got four kids in the house in uh, 1960. The, uh, the turn of the decade. Yeah, and you said house, but we were living in a duplex. We were living in a two-bedroom duplex, and by now we had four little children. And... Cozy. <laughs> it was cozy, I tell you. It was, it, was, it was full house. 
and uh, we decided that maybe we were at a point where we could build a home that would that would be just be our home and some of some of his brothers who were also in the building business would build a home and move their family into it and then while he was building the next home they would live in the one he had finished but then he would try to sell that and when he had that one sold then he the family would move into the one he had just built and then that process would start over again and so he was moving his family from house to house and then selling those houses i i told don i said i'm willing to stay in this duplex as long as needful but i don't want to move from house to house to house i think that's disruptive to family life and and we like to work in the church and you can't you can't be connected in the church like we'd like to be if you're if you've only been there three months <laughs> and and then you move away and you go to another house move into another house and yeah. start over again so i said i don't like that pattern so he agreed to that and uh, and so we we stayed in the in the little two bedroom duplex on Atkin Avenue until <clears throat> until we felt like that we were ready and could afford to build the house that we would like to build and then stay in and so we were thinking about that it was co it was coming up uh, Christmas time and we had we had sketched out a lot of ideas about the house that we would like to build we didn't know where we would build it yet but but we were collecting ideas from all of the places that we saw uh, under construction and and for sale and so on we had a lot of ideas about what we'd like in our in our new home our permanent home and so we were we were getting ready to do that we were also thinking about it and and looking around for a place that we felt like that we could that we could uh stay at and so your forever home i our forever home you're right and he came home one day and he says, I've seen a place that I like a lot and I want to show it to you. And he, we all got in the car and drove down to a place that, a, a new a new subdivision that was just under construction. Well, it was just finishing construction, I guess. Anyway, it was called Fuller Gardens and it was just off of Highland Drive and on uh, 4195 south in uh, just on the edge of murray and so we looked around drove around the subdivision these new homes with a lot of children 
showing up in the dooryards and it looked good to me and and then he and then Don confided to me he said I saw this lot here and he said I prayed whether this was a good was a good uh, place for our family to be and he said the spirit said to me this is a place where you can best serve the Lord and that of course touched my heart and I said sounds good to me this sounds like a good place for us to build to build our home and and we there were there were two lots left at the top of the street and uh, uh, most of the houses were completed about that time and in the subdivision and so we thought we would try to to buy the two vacant the two vacant lots and Don thought if we bought if we bought the two lots why well, we could build our house on one and then he could build another house on the one next to it and that way he could sell that and and make make some money to to help pay for our for our dream home that we had been planning and trying to build so anyway we we got all of this put together in our heads and decided that this was a this was a good a good place and we and we wanted to build a home that uh, that we could raise our family in and stay in and not to uh, not move anymore and uh, so I wanted I told Don I'd like to make it big enough so that even after our children were raised that they could still come back and uh, and stay with us and visit us and stay overnight with us and things like that and he was agreeable with with this and and so we we then in earnest we're making we're making our plans to start building on this on this lot and we we just we just got started with it we just got started with it and uh, our little boy Martin got got sick he got a like a stomach flu and, and he would have been this is around Christmas time you were saying so that he'd have been like one year old yeah just under one year so I think he I think when he got sick in my head I have in mind that he was about 10 months old. Okay. Which and would make it um, the end of fall, the beginning of winter of uh, 1960. Yeah, in December uh, or along in there anyway. Just a little bit before Christmas. And uh, and he, w he just got really sick. And 
I, I had grown up with a story in my family about a baby who came to my parents' family long before I was born, but um, this little boy was about a year old when he got a stomach flu, a stomach problem, and he only lasted two days, and he died. And this was, a, a of course, a story that had a lot of pathos to it, and when I would hear this story, I would think how awful that was that that their little baby got sick and then and then died quickly. And their family started out like mine. They had three daughters at the beginning and then a little baby son. Well, here I was. I had three daughters and a little baby son, and my baby was sick, very sick with this stomach flu and my, somehow I put all that together and I thought my baby's gonna die I was very frightened well he was he was he was limp and listless and he kept throwing up and he just was he just was awfully sick and in those days, doctors did house calls. I called our pediatrician and explained to her what was going on with this baby. And she listened to me and she said, I'm coming out there to your house. And she told me to put him, put him in the bathtub and... Uh, the, her idea was to try to get him hydrated a little bit by by putting him in the water and bathing him and uh, trying to see what I could do with him that way, reduce his fever by having him in the cool water, and and I was I was pretty I was pretty frightened and worried and she came out to the house and examined him and he was still running this high fever and and but being very listless and and um and very sick and he still wasn't holding any holding anything down that I could feed him by mouth and he would just he was just a sick little guy and she said, we need to take him to the, up to Primary Children's Hospital. And so our grandma Christensen lived next door, and we got her to come over and stay with the other children. And Don and I took the, took the baby with us and, and went up to Primary Children's Hospital, which at that time wasn't where it is today at the foot of the mountain over on the east, but it was at the top of uh, top of the foothills on on 5th um, East and 
in, in Salt Lake in Salt Lake City, up above LDS Hospital, and uh, so we took we took the little guy up there, and he was just laying still and quiet in my arms, and and I'm praying and and saying, please don't let this little boy die, please don't let him die, and uh, we. We got we got there and walked into the lobby. The doctor was already there and had prepared an IV of fluids. And right there in the lobby of the of the hospital, she inserted the IV so that the the fluid would immediately start going into his veins, and. And she said, now I'm going to take us, we're going to, I'll go up to the fifth floor where there's x-ray so that I can x-ray him and see if there's anything uh, unseen going on inside. And, and so she said, we're all going to go, we're going to get on the elevator and go up to the fifth floor. And so we got on the elevator and as we went up and the fluids were she was holding up she was holding up the the IV bottle and I was holding the baby and as we as we went up in the elevator he started to rally and he start his eyes came open and he started to look around and sit up and and take note of where he was and by the time we got to the fifth floor in that elevator, he was bright and acting like normal, like, and you just needed a little bit of fluid. He was really dehydrated, and and I didn't know anything about that at the time, but this was a this was a wonderful, a wonderful thing, and then she kept him in the hospital until until he was totally over all of that but I didn't know at the time but that was the first of the many problems that we were going to experience that was the kickoff event <laughs> of the the uh, awful year the awful year and uh, and he was he was he was better then after that and and we had we had Christmas. We broke ground for the for the new house, and made the excavation for the basement, and so on. And, and all your worries were behind you. <laughs> <laughs> that's how we, that's how I felt. I thought, oh, this is everything's bright. And then I discovered that I was pregnant, and we were going to have a new baby, and everything just seemed so. Rosy, bright, happy. It just, it just was, it just was beautiful, and we had Christmas and and enjoyed that and 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 then everything changed. A couple of days, <laughs> a couple of days after New Year, I was bathing those little girls, and they were all in the tub together. This was kind of what we would do. <laughs> They were all in the tub together, and I was 
and I was bathing them and I started looking at them one by one and I was seeing a very strange rash that I could not I could not figure out what that was. I've never seen anything that looked like that before. And instead of like a a general rash where you get a whole area of skin that's turned a color or you get hives and little bumps come up, this rash seemed to have circles and and very strange looking rash that I just different wasn't anything I'd seen before and it was on two of the girls it was on Jeannie and it was on Mary and uh, and so I took took them in to see to the doctor to see what was going on but uh, anyway as it turned out as it turned out Jeannie had rheumatic fever which is a a serious disease that we don't hear a lot about nowadays because we have antibiotics and and if you get the antibiotic early enough it precludes rheumatic fever but it comes on after a strep throat and uh, because we have the antibiotics not too many people get it i don't i haven't heard of one a case of rheumatic fever for years but it's very hard on your heart and so the doctor said we needed to put Jeannie in the hospital and how old was was uh and mom my mom uh Jean how Jean, old was Jean at this she point she was she was 5 and uh, so i took her up to the we put we took her and put her in in primary and and they they started the treatment which how long after um uncle martin's uh it was about a month or so i don't know so for you got sure. you got a nice four weeks of uh <laughs> of uh respite yeah some something like that and then and then we put Jeannie in the hospital in primary and they the treatment was i'm trying to remember the name of the medication that they used penicillin it, it, that of course but that's an antibiotic this is uh, was steroids oh anyway that it, the treatment was to rest to rest her heart so that she wouldn't get a bad heart which uh up to that time, a rheumatic heart was just a kind of a a sentence for the rest of your life. You you just would be limited in the things that you could do uh, for the rest of your life, and it would be uh, a problem to you all your life. Anyway, 
we got we got her established there and uh, cortisone treatment finally came to me and they they got her started on this uh, on the cortisone treatment and uh, so she, the doctor said this treatment takes about six weeks. She's going to have to remain in the hospital for six weeks. Six weeks? I could not believe what she was saying to me. It was a hideous thought. And, but we wanted to, you know, we wanted to save her heart. We wanted to do the right thing and do what was best for her. And so, we, she was in the hospital, and I would go there. Don would too, but he was busy with it, building his his uh, business, and and so he wouldn't stay there for hours like I would. But that that was became a process because she was there for for a long time and. And uh, I, and then Don said to me at night one one evening. He said, "There's something wrong in my business. I can't put my finger on it, but we're doing all these things, and there should be money in the bank, and there's not." He says, it's a problem that we've got to figure out and we've got to solve. We have to figure out what's going on in the business. So he's he's looking into the day-by-day functioning of the business and he wanted me to look into the money end of the business. And I... I was skilled in this. I one of the jobs that I had before we were married was had to do with with reconciling the bank statement and things like that for a business. And so I knew how to do those things. And so he said, "Can you can you just take all my records from the beginning and put it together and see what's happening?" on the money end and I'm going to inspect everything and see what's happening on the person end of the business. We're going to find out what's going on here. And to make a long story short, he found out that our secretary was having an affair with our foreman both of them were married to somebody else. <laughs> and and she was cooking the books for him. Oh boy. To ki- and trying to keep everything quiet so nobody would find out what was going on with them personally, but in addition to that, these guys were just having having fun at Don's expense and he had this whole crew of workmen that were working on his his duplexes and they would just sit around and 
smoke and joke with each other, and they were collecting their che their checks by the hour, but they were doing whatever they felt like doing, and they posted a, a lookout so that when Don drove around to see how things were coming on the duplexes, he'd sing out, Don's coming, and everybody would grab their hammers and get up and act like they were working again. Oof. <clears throat> and, I mean, this was a... This was a terrible, serious circumstance that he uncovered. While, you're, while your little girl is in the hospital, you find out your employees are stealing, basically, cooking the books, like you said. Yeah, exactly. This, this, is what, this is what was going on. And one would think that this was enough, that, that this was about all that one would need to have to worry about and think about. But along with this, then we discovered that little little Mary, who was just a little kid, uh, three maybe, <clears throat> she also had rheumatic fever, but the doctor didn't want her in the hospital. She said she's not, not as sick as Jeannie, and, and I think we can treat her at home. So Mary was Mary had the disease and she was at home and she was getting treatment with penicillin shots about at least once a week and I And don't how think, old was Mary at this time? Maybe about three. Little bitty girl. So you and, got a five year old daughter in the hospital sick, you have a three year old daughter at home sick, you have a ten month old who is recovering <laughs> And you have your employees. This is an awful year, but I feel like you're, you're not even done yet. <laughs> We're just getting started because it was it was just a it was really a we didn't know how bad it w was going to turn out to be. But also had Jolene in between there. She was four. She, if Jean was five, then Joel was four, and. Uh, and Mary was three, and and Mary had to stay in bed, and so Grandma Christensen tended her a lot, and I would get, I would call babysitters who would come in after school was out and come and stay for a couple of hours and and try to spell Grandma off and. Grandma Christensen was fretful about the fact that Mary had to stay in bed, and she was she was lively and energetic, and she didn't want to stay in bed. And Grandma took a took some big safety pins and safety pinned her nightgown to the bed. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, I guess that would do it. <laughs> well, that helped certainly. <laughs> Anyway, this is this is an ongoing thing, and I and I I stay at home and do as much as I can at home and try to keep things going there. And then I would pack up all the the uh, the notebooks, the check register, and everything that I needed 
about the business and I would go up and sit with Jeannie for a few hours in the in the hospital and work on reconstructing all of our bookkeeping for the whole previous year. Uncooked. <laughs> See if I could uncook the books. <laughs> and we began to find out what was going on and and Don fired everybody. He fired the all he fired the whole crew, he fired the foreman and he fired the secretary. <laughs> and he just cleaned up. <laughs> and and then he started sub subcontracting the the uh, work to to other to contractors instead of hiring it done and and him being the contractor and hi, having the foreman and and all those workmen on the payroll and so he made all these good changes in in the procedure and got we we gradually got things cleaned up and and straightened up but this took this took the whole period of time then we got then about in the middle of the springtime it turned out that Jeannie was not going to be in the hospital for six weeks because they couldn't get the response that they wanted and she actually was up there in the primary children's hospital for three months which twice as long way away that was just hard it, I'll just have to say it was hard. <laughs> I believe it. And and so I was doing all this about getting babysitters and all that, trying to spend some time with Jeannie. And, and Jeannie had her sixth birthday when February the 20th came along while she was still in the hospital. And she had her sixth birthday while she was in the hospital. And Mary Kay, she's in the hospital. Mary Kay's at home. Pinned to the bed. Pinned (laughs) pinned to the bed. bed. (laughs) And Don's made a bunch of changes in his his business, and he's struggling, but he's trying to, to manage all of this. And then Don starts feeling sick all the time, just... And I was cuddled up to him one time and had my head on his chest, and I said, Honey, your heart is beating about twice as fast as mine. Why is this going on? So we start thinking about it and thinking about the fact that he's feeling weak and miserable, and... So he got, finally, first he says, oh, I've just got what the little girls have got. He says, everything will be all right. I'll just, it, it'll be all right. He didn't want to go to the doctor. But I said, you haven't got what the little girls have got. You've got something different. It's not the same thing. You're not having the same symptoms, etc." So anyway, finally persuaded him to well, this is the little story that why he was persuaded to go 
to the doctor. He he parked his car on the opposite side of 33rd South, and he, well, I don't remember why he stopped over there, but he was going to cross the street to his office, and he saw a car coming, and so he thought he would run to get across the street and when he started to run, he just fell down right in the middle of the road. Well, this was scary. This frightened him. And and so then he agreed to go to the doctor. So then we find out that Don himself has a condition with his thyroid, which was, the thyroid was putting out too much it sounds like it was making his uh, system run too fast, too hot. Exactly. That's you. You just described it, and metabolism. That's the word I'm looking yeah, for. Yeah, his metabolism, and he was losing weight because everything was burning up. His whole his whole system was burning up, and and uh, which is a very serious thing, and if left unchecked. You eventually that wither would, away. That would have been the end of him, but but he got to the doctor, and they first they said, well, <clears throat> he needs to have his thyroid removed, but that's a serious thing, and so we'd like to try this and this, try some medications beforehand, see if we can get things under control without surgery. And so they started him on on these whatever they were. He start started him on these other things and started going. And he was a little better, but not a lot better. So he's just he's sick. He's making just making it day by day. He's dealing with all these problems that I've just described. Still trying to uncook the books. Still <laughs> working through firing all the people. Trying to find new people to keep the business running. All of those things you've sick got kids, picture. Sick self. <laughs> the kids are sick. He's sick. Everybody's sick. And you had a baby this year, too. Spoilers for the listeners. But, I, Grandma, to me it sounds like I'm imagining you as like Atlas and you are holding your whole family and your whole world on your shoulders as everyone around you is just sick or, or I guess in the case of your employees, like lying and cheating. And, and you're just, you're just this, this wonder woman, superwoman holding up your planet, your whole life, keeping it all together. Oh, I've never thought of it that way before, but, <laughs> but it was it was a uh, it was a real problem it was a real problem and we were we were in the process of all this we're trying to build our dream home and we're trying to keep that going along with all the uh, the rest of the things in the business and so uh, everything is everything is in a big turmoil as time as time goes on along the way the kids got chicken pox Boy. <laughs> one thing after another and and, uh, and all all the little kids were 
were sick, broken out with with chicken pox, and and that was that was not easy to deal with that along with everything else. But finally, eventually, Jeannie got out of the hospital, and we we were still. They were trying to deal with with. They were trying to treat all these this sickness with the girls with penicillin, and we were going for one. We were going at least once a week to the to the doctor to to get penicillin shots for the girls. And time time is moving on. Things are moving on. Don's not getting better. The pregnancy is progressing. Yeah, <laughs> we're we're going into the summer. You're pregnant through all of this too. You haven't had the kid yet. You're you're doing this all with a belly. This is Wonder Woman. <laughs> anyway, eventually, eventually, thing things in the business get so that they're quieting down a bit. Our house is finally coming coming into reality, but it took them a long time. <clears throat> At that time, normally, we could build a, a nice house like this in about uh, four, five months, but it's, it took, it took about nine, nine months, nine or ten months to finish the to finish the house. And so I'm getting really anxious to get into this house because by now I know that Don's not responding to the medications that they've given him and he's going to have to have surgery and he's going to have to be in bed. And I'm thinking he's going to be in bed and we've got, we by then we will have five children children in this two-bedroom house and there won't be any way of keeping those children off of him because we're all piled up together and I keep saying somehow we've got to get this house finished so we can get moved into it before this baby comes and before this before Don has to have this surgery so we're putting off the surgery, hoping the house will get done. And finally, finally, at long last, it seems like maybe the house is going to be completed. But guess what? The baby came. <laughs> the baby came ahead of schedule. <laughs> and the, and the, the, the baby came, and so time... And this was, uh, which, uh, which... This was Evan. Evan. Uncle Evan. Yeah. So, we did have five children in the house at once, but we did, we, we finally decided that it looked like the house would be done by Labor Day. And we thought, Labor Day weekend is when we're going to move in and... Right after that, we'll schedule, we'll have the, the surgery on his, on his thyroid, 
so that we can get him well. And so that's the way we had it planned. And so they they knew they knew our time schedule and everybody was working toward it and we had all these people putting the finishing touches on the house and so on labor day weekend we moved in and on on monday morning after we after we got moved in the i i heard we were in bed I heard the door open, <laughs> and I heard the men just joking with each other, talking, and they came in to resume their their work, and all of a sudden they stopped, and they looked around, and I heard them say, oh my gosh, they've moved in, <laughs> and they, they all went back out, and then they rang the doorbell. <laughs> let us know they were here to work but but that just just a little story but anyway then that week that week don went in for his surgery by then most of all of this was cleaned up but uh everybody was sick everybody had been in the in the hospital at, including me when I had the baby <laughs> at some time during the year, except for little Jolene. <laughs> she was the only one that wasn't sick or nothing was wrong with her. And, uh, and Bishop, the Bishop of the ward, Bishop Martinson came down to get acquainted with, with all of us who had just moved into his ward and of course the whole ward had been watching this this house be built and it's a little it's bigger than the other the tract houses in the neighborhood and so everybody knew that we, that this new ward was planning on building a a, a building a ward meeting house and so the the story was going around that this was the ward meeting house. Because <laughs> it's so big. <laughs> Things like that. They were they were saying, oh, yeah, they've built a baptismal font in the basement. <laughs> <laughs> Stories like that were, were going around. But, but the bishop came, and he kept, he kept coming. He was very, very attentive to Don and to all of us and very kind and and just very much interested in what was going on here. And I didn't know at the time what he had in mind, but um, when we'd been, when we actually had been here three months and Don was um, over his, over his, uh, surgery in which he had his thyroid removed then he was feeling better and he was on by then he was on the regimen that he stayed on the rest of his life with supplemental hormones for 
for did they that. remove his thyroid? Yes, they did. Okay, and then he just took took medicine for the rest of his life. Yeah, the thi- the thyroid hormone that that it produces, he just took that the rest of his life and never had any more problem with that aspect of it. But here he was, much better, and the bishop was well acquainted with him because he'd kept good close attention to him all this time. And the first thing he did was with him right away was put him in as the elders quorum president. <laughs> Glad to see you're back. <laughs> time and, to go to work. <laughs> when when he'd been when he'd been that for about three months he made him a counselor in the bishop rig. You're and, doing a good job. Here's some more work. <laughs> And so Don Don was in the bishopric with that bishop. He was a counselor to that bishop for five five years, and then they made him the bishop. And he was the bishop for nine years, and then he was put when the, he re, was released as that bishop, he was made the the uh, uh he was put on the high council, and he was. Then it was then it was sevens. He was seven years on the high council, seven years in the stake presidency, and seven years as the stake patriarch. And, and, and he gave me my patriarchal blessing uh, when he was stake patriarch. Great. Well, to me, that year was a kind of a preparation for all this that was going to happen in the future. I call it the awful year because it was awful. It was hard. It was difficult to to juggle time and effort and energy and and demands and all of those things for all that all that time. But I looking back back vision is is a lot more 2020 than forward vision. Hindsight is 2020. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, the Lord was just put, preparing him for this lifetime of service. And he never, from from the time that he became the elders quorum president when we first moved here, from that time actually until his death he never was without a calling in the church but uh, but not just a calling he never was a sunday school teacher or like a he was like one of the he, the heavy lifter big visible callings i guess is what you're trying to say well you Maybe. say it better than i do that was very good <laughs> so would you as you've been here explaining your awful year of 1960 um, we are sitting on the tail end of, uh, 2020 and 2021, which brought with it probably, uh, uh, to put simply some of the darkest times in living memory for most people, um, living through all that you have lived through. What advice do you have for people going through or coming out of trials and tribulations in their own lives? there's a lot there's a lot that could be said a lot has been said and a lot more will be said in the future 
about that in answers to that very question. But I read a week or so ago about a lady who passed away and her husband had been in the as a gen had been a general authority in the church he'd been in the in the 70 but before he was that he was mission president and and uh temple president and all kinds of all kinds of higher up callings in the church but this lady in her funeral, the children remembered something that has stuck with me. They, at a time when they were going through some serious difficulties in their lives, she and her husband decided that they would have a, a motto. They said, just enjoy it. And so that was the motto for their children the rest of their lives, enjoy it. And so I think those two little words are really good in regard to whatever comes along. Just enjoy it. And President Monson had it, had it like that, and, but he said, whatever... How'd it go? Whatever it be. The future is as bright as your faith. That one? That was that, one of his famous little yeah, couplets. That was. That was one of them. But this is Come what may and love it. That's what ah, he said. Well, that's another really good yeah. one. Come what may and love it. And that's the same idea. Whatever, whatever comes along in your life, just enjoy it. Just find, find find the joy. The joy that's in that's in this circumstance, that's in this time of your life. Find the joy and and live it. Live with it and enjoy it. Because nothing Okay, here's another little saying that I got one day out of my Relief Society class that I went to. This this lady This lady had had a, a lifetime of all kinds of things that that uh, that we don't always enjoy. But she said, "Well, just apply the Book of Mormon, uh, the Book of Mormon uh, uh, lose my words <laughs> anyway." I'll call it motto. She says, the Book of Mormon says all the time, and it came to pass. She says, it never says, and it came to stay. And I love that. I love that too. That's another one. They're all, they're all the same. But your life is full of ups and downs, and these things, this is what life was designed to be. This is what mortality is. 
It's a series of tests. It's There's ups and downs, but there's always joy to be had if you, if you look for it and find it and embrace it. And like that lady said, enjoy it. Like President Monson said, come what may and love it. And what Don and I used to say to each other, well, you just as well laugh as cry. Neither one is going to change the outcome, but laughing is a lot more fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I couldn't have said it better myself. Um, thank you for sharing this conversation with me today, Grandma. I, uh, I feel inspired and uh, uplifted, even though you were talking about your awful year. <laughs> I, I, I hope that uh, everyone who hears this can be a little more inspired and uplifted in their awful years. Um, that's it for today. Uh, thank you for talking with me. You on the other end of this microphone, thank you for listening, and we will see you next time. <laughs>